Hey, good morning. Everybody, good to see you. Welcome to River Glen. Uh, glad to have you here. Those of you uh, watching online, wherever you might be, so good to have you uh, with us this morning. You ready for summer uh, to get here? Yeah, it gets warm out, it's nice, get outside, get a little more uh, active. About a year ago, I had a little bit of a, a muscle injury in my leg, slowed me down uh, for a bit, and went to my doctor. My doctor referred me to a therapist, physical therapy, and, and I went, and uh, it was, it was this, this woman, she, she did a fantastic job giving me some exercises that really strengthened and stretched and healed my leg. But she also gave me some exercises for some other parts of my body, just for my general health. For example, she gave me some upper body weightlifting exercises. I don't know why she did that, but she gave me some exercises for my uh, triceps, I guess because I don't have any. She showed me each one, the triceps extension, the bent over row, the single arm raise, and she watched, uh, she, uh, watched me do each one to make sure that I, that I would get it right. And she even gave me this, uh, this handy notebook with pictures and how many reps of each one that she wanted me to do. So I had great information. It's all right here. I had great coaching, and I believe in the importance of exercise and weightlifting, but that was a year ago, and there's no real evidence of any triceps as far as, I can, as far as I can tell. But the problem for me is not belief, it's not information. The problem is until I do something with the information and the belief, it doesn't really matter because you can have the best intentions, you can have the right beliefs, and you can have the most accurate, detailed information, but if you don't do something, with it, it doesn't really matter. And that's what James is going to talk to us about when it comes to our faith today. We might feel really good because we got the belief part down and we've got our mind filled with the right information about Jesus. But the question is, have you done something with it? Because if you haven't, it doesn't really matter. And in this next section in the book of James, he's going to challenge us to do something with our faith. Last week, we began this new series. It's called Electric Faith. Going through the book of James, electric faith means real faith, faith that works, saving faith, faith that electrifies your life with joy and purpose and confidence. But to help us get ready for this next section and what James is going to teach us, I want you to imagine a pendulum, kind of like this one right here. We're going to call this the faith pendulum. And on one side of the faith pendulum are good works. And on the other side is belief. And typically what happens in churches is the pendulum swings too far to one side or, or, or the other. For example, in some churches, the pendulum of faith swings too far over to good works. And we call this legalism or rule keeping. And many writings in the New Testament address this problem in the church. Legalism means that we've got to earn God's salvation. We've got to earn God's love. We've got to be good enough to get to heaven. Maybe you grew up in a church where they put major emphasis on rule keeping and the pendulum, the faith pendulum, swung really hard in the direction of legalism. But on the other side here is belief. And there's a phrase that I think captures the opposite of legalism, and that's this phrase, easy believism. Easy believism. It's the idea that as long as you believe, it doesn't really matter how you live. It doesn't really matter what you do. It doesn't really matter what kinds of choices you make as long as you believe. And so for those whose 
who, who have swung too far, their faith has swung too far to the belief side, they just ignore the importance of behavior and good works. They say as long as you believe in Jesus, that's enough. And while many books in the New Testament address legalism, James is different. James writes to address easy believism. The people had started separating their belief from their lifestyle, and they said, as long as I believe, it doesn't matter what I do. And James, what he wants to do, he wants to push the pendulum back toward the middle to help them have electric faith. And we need to hear this teaching today because easy believism is a huge problem. In America right now, the vast majority of people say they believe in God. They say that belief is important to them, but it's not reflected in the lives that they lead and the choices that they make. There's a lack of fruit and evidence and good works. Few people take their faith seriously. That's easy believism. Now, we want to be careful, though, because we don't want to swing the pendulum too far this way and slip into legalism. But James wants to move us toward the middle so that we experience electric faith that works and saves us and brings us joy and confidence. And so if you have your Bible with you, go ahead and open up to James chapter 1. He gives us a really good example of what he's talking about. We're going to pick it up in chapter 1, verse 22, where he says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. In other words, don't think that just by coming to church and sitting down and listening to somebody teach the word, the word of God, the, the scriptures, and maybe you're even taking notes on your outline, which are good things to do. But don't think that makes you a person of faith without ever doing what it says. And then he gives an illustration to make this point. He says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets uh, what he looks like. And so I brought along a mirror here uh, to illustrate what James is talking about. And this is one of those cool mirrors that uh, glows. It's got a light around it and it just magnifies uh, everything. You know, and if you look in one of these mirrors, I mean, you see every pore in your skin. I have no idea why anybody would want one of these. I don't want to see every blemish and sunspot and nose hair that's uh, coming out. So I'm just going to turn that off for right, uh, for, for right now. But here's the point James makes. Imagine if you looked in one of these mirrors, if somebody looked in one of these mirrors just for information. They're not really going to change anything. They're just looking at it for information. And they see something stuck in their tooth. And they just walk away and forget about it. That would be silly. You would deceive yourself into thinking that your appearance is fine. And in the same way, James says, don't just hear the word just for information. Do what it says. I wonder if maybe there's a, an area, maybe a scripture that you've read, a verse of scripture that, that you've come across, you've looked in the mirror, and you know what it says, but uh, until now, you haven't done what, God, what you know God wants you to do. For example, maybe you know what the Bible teaches about tithing, about sexual sin, about resentment, gossip, drunkenness, jealousy, judging other people. You've read verses, but until now, you haven't done what God wants you to do. Or maybe there's something in your life where you sense God wants you to do something positive, maybe uh, adopt or provide foster care for a child or volunteer 
or serve in some way. And you know what God wants you to do, but you haven't done it. My hope is that today's message will help you uh, change that and move from being just a hearer of the word to being a doer of it. Maybe, maybe some of you are thinking, uh, Ben, I, I'm, I'm doing one of those things that uh, you just listed a moment ago, and I didn't even know it, it's, it was wrong. I don't really know the teachings of Jesus in Scripture. And I get that. Uh, uh, okay, maybe you haven't heard. Uh, maybe you haven't looked in the mirror. And it is. It's really difficult to do when you haven't heard. And so we're reading through the book of James. What if you did this? What if you read a chapter out of the book of James every day? This next week, take you maybe five minutes so that you can begin to hear the word and then begin to do what it says. Here's why this is so important for all of us here today, to not only hear the word, but do what it says. Because good works don't create faith. Good works reveal faith. I'm going to read that again. Think about this. Good works don't create faith. Good works reveal faith. Because true faith, electric faith, Saving faith leads to good works. It leads to actions. You know, maybe this will help. I brought along a packet of some uh, watermelon seeds right here. And if I planted these watermelon seeds, they would naturally produce watermelons, right? I mean, they wouldn't have to try really hard not to, not to produce beans. They would naturally produce watermelons. And in the same way, when you put your faith in Jesus, you will naturally start to produce good works. You will naturally want to love God and do what he says because you have put your faith in him. You've put your trust in him. Good works don't create faith. No, but good works reveal faith. And then James explains three different kinds of faith, three different types of faith uh, that, re that are, are, are revealed by our actions, revealed by our good works. I came across this outline that I'm going to share with you many years ago from a book by Warren Wearsby. And it stuck with me, and it really helped me. Maybe it'll help you to move from just hearing to doing God's word. Here's how James describes the first kind of faith. James says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if somebody claims to have faith, they say they have faith, but they have no deeds. Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Notice this person, they claim to have faith, but it's just verbal. There's no deeds. There's no actions, kind of like this Peanuts cartoon. Linus and Charlie Brown, they see Snoopy here, and Snoopy looks kind of cold. I'll say he does. Maybe we, maybe we better go over and comfort him. Be of good cheer, Snoopy. Yes, be of good cheer. And they just walk away. And, and that's it. That's the end of it. But they do nothing to demonstrate their love or demonstrate their faith. Charles Schultz actually got the idea for that particular cartoon from those verses we just read from James chapter two. And so here's what James and Warren Wearsby call this first kind of faith, dead faith, because it has no good works. We're gonna put together this chart as we go through this scripture. And notice, dead faith is intellectual. But James says, just because you know the right information, just because you can talk a good game, it doesn't mean your faith is real. It has to be more than words. For example, somebody can stand over in the baptistry, right over here, and they can say, I believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus is the Son of God, which is a great thing to say. Scripture says we should confess our faith in him. 
But what good is it if it doesn't make us a more faithful friend? What good is it if it doesn't make you a more trusted employee? What good is it if it doesn't make you a more loving husband, a more loving wife? What good is it if it doesn't make you a more respectful teenager? What, what good is that? Or if we all gather together in this room and we all claim to believe in Jesus, but then we have children in our community going without food or clothing and we don't do anything about it. What good are those words? If all we do is talk a good game, James says it may indicate dead faith. Then he describes a second type of faith which might surprise you a little bit and so let me uh, lead up to it with a few questions. What percentage of Americans do you think believe in God? What percentage believe in God? 93% say they believe in God, according to a recent survey. What percentage of Americans do you think believe that Jesus is the Son of God? 86% believe Jesus is the Son of God. Last one. Now, what percent of demons believe there is one God? 100% of demons believe there is a God. Look at what James says. You believe there's one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. In other words, the demons are not atheistic. They totally believe in God. They totally believe in Jesus. James says their faith isn't enough to save them, but their faith is really up a level from the person with dead faith, faith uh, because they have the, the right information and they also have emotion tied to it. They, they believe and shudder. This word shudder is an interesting term. term. It's, an, it's an emotional term. Here's a way to picture what shudder means. You ever seen this happen where a dog runs up to a cat and the dog startles the cat and the cat's fur on its back just sticks straight up. The cat bristles up. That's the idea James conveys here. Demons believe in God and shudder because they know the truth about Jesus, but this kind of faith where they believe intellectually and they're moved emotionally isn't enough to save them. Sometimes I think we confuse our feelings with our faith. I know I do. I struggle with this. We, we hear about someone in need. We feel sorry for them. We feel compassion for them. Maybe we, maybe we even tear up. And we confuse our feelings with Christ-like care. James says, look, it's not how you feel, it's what you do with those feelings. Because we can come into a room like this on the weekend and we can sing these songs and, and these were great songs this morning. And the music and the singing can even move us emotionally in this room. But electric faith has more to do, not just with how we feel in this room, but it has more to do with what we actually do outside of this room. Electric faith has more to do with how you treat people in the lobby and in the parking lot and how you treat the server at the restaurant, how you treat your neighbor who just found out that he lost his job. Faith is much more than how you feel in this room. Sometimes feelings can even mislead us and cause us to rationalize doing something that we know God doesn't want us to do. For example, you know what Jesus taught about sex outside of, of marriage? But your feelings tell you we love each other and we need to take our relationship to the next level. 
you know what scripture teaches about managing money, but your feelings tell you, oh, I gotta have that, I want that, I need that. But faith is not how you feel, it's what you do with those feelings. And then James mentions a third type of faith, dynamic faith, and this is true faith, real faith, saving faith, electric faith. This is not easy believism, it's not legalism, it's not just intellectual, it's not just emotional. This is belief that leads to Christ-like behavior and actions toward other people. And then James gives two examples of people with dynamic faith. One of them is predictable, the other one is surprising. The predictable example is a guy named Abraham. Take a look at what it says here, verse 21. Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? And then here's the key verse. You see that his faith and his actions were working together. It's interesting, if you go back and you read the story of Abraham in Genesis chapter 15, you'll discover that Abraham puts his faith in, in God when he trusts God's promise to send him a son and to make him into a great nation. That's when God saved Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. But then 24 years later, as James describes, and Genesis chapter 22 records it, Abraham began to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice on the altar until God stopped him. But that action revealed Abraham's faith as real and genuine and electric. And so Abraham's faith saved him, but 24 years later, that good deed confirmed it. Now, some of you might be thinking, okay, that's great, but I'm no Abraham. I'm no, you know, father of the faith. I didn't come from the right family. That's not me. Well, James doesn't stop there. He gives us a surprising example of Rahab in verse 25. In the same way, was not even, look at this, Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. So James uses his great father of faith, Abraham, and this Gentile prostitute Rahab, who's mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, as a great person of faith. And James says, how do we know Abraham and Rahab had genuine faith? Why do we consider them as great people of faith? It's not because of what they said or what they felt or what they believed. It's because of what they did. We see clear evidence of their faith. And then James chapter 2 ends this way. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without works. And so here's a question for, for you and, and me today. What is the evidence for your faith? What is the evidence? I know that you might be able to say the right things. And I appreciate the fact that sometimes your faith even brings a tear to your eye. But what if people were going to point to evidence of your faith, what would they point to? Would they point to your finances and how you generously support God's work in this world? Would they point to some kind words that you spoke to a colleague who felt discouraged? Would they point maybe to an invitation card to church that you gave to a neighbor? Would they point to a meal that you provided a hungry person? Would they point to sweat on your brow and sore muscles in your back from a local serve day in the community? I have to tell you, I am just so grateful. I feel so grateful to be part of a church 
where so many of you, I mean, you don't talk, you don't just talk a good game and feel, you know, emotional. You put your faith into action. Let me show you just a few recent examples just from, just from the last month. This is a couple weeks ago. This is uh, Dave Cole, the uh, campus pastor in Pewaukee, at the dedication for the, for the Habitat House that many of you volunteered to help uh, build right here in downtown Waukesha. Here's a group uh, from River Glen last weekend who cleaned up the yard for an elderly uh, person in our community as part of Serve Saturday. Here's a team that uh, in April went down to Houston to help people uh, repair damage and recover from the devastating damage from the hurricane that came last year. And then here's a picture of the uh, Pewaukee campus that's uh, under construction. And God's going to use this new location in the fall to reach hundreds of new people and help them find and follow Jesus because of your generosity through the unfinished initiative. I love uh, seeing examples of people from our church with dynamic faith, electric faith. What evidence of faith can you point to in your life? There's an old illustration. Maybe you've heard this illustration. It's been around for a long time. I don't think I've ever used it before because I wasn't sure that it was true. But I was on the uh, internet and I came across some information about Niagara Falls and I realized, I discovered it, it is true. It's a story about a guy by the name of Charles Blondin who came to this country about 150 years ago and he had this fascination, this obsession with Niagara Falls. He wanted to cross it on a tightrope. And so he strung a rope 1,100 feet across, 160 feet above Niagara Falls and this huge crowd, like 100,000 people gathered to watch him and he went back and forth. And he made it successfully. And then he, then he did it many more times and he did some amazing stunts on the tightrope over Niagara Falls. One time he took a chair and he set it on this tightrope and he stood on the chair. Another time, and there's a picture of this, he, he, he cooked an omelet in the middle of walking across the uh, tightrope and he lowered it down to a boat below him so people could eat the omelet that he cooked. And <clears throat> then there was this time he had a wheelbarrow filled with 150 pounds of sand, and the crowd gathered tens of thousands of people to see this show, and he asked the people, do you think I can do this? You know, do you think I can take this wheelbarrow across? And they said, yeah, yeah, you can do it. We believe, and he did it. And then he said, what about this? Do you believe I can do this? Instead of sand, what if I put a person in the wheelbarrow? Do you think I can push a person across the Niagara Falls on this, on this rope, in this uh, wheelbarrow? And the people said, yeah, we believe. We believe. And then he said, all right, who wants to get in the wheelbarrow? And there was one person, Harry Colcord, who had seen Blondin cross many times, and he trusted him. And he got in the wheelbarrow. Here's my point. There were a lot of people who said, we believe. We believe. But who wants to get into the wheelbarrow? And I wonder if our faith were put to the test today, what would we find? I know a lot of us can say the right things, we feel the right things, but who's willing to put their faith into action? Since James challenges us to test our faith, here's what I want to do. I want to take a moment and I want to use what we call the three C's to give you an opportunity to self-evaluate your faith. If you take out the message outline, on the, I think it's on the bottom of the front page, we listed the three C's and then the fourth element. 
And I want you to score yourself in each area on a scale of one to five. Here's the first C. It stands for celebrate. We celebrate. We call this a celebration service. We celebrate every weekend by singing together and studying the word of God together and praying together and so on. And if you have dynamic faith, real faith, you don't feel neutral about these gatherings on the weekend. You make it a priority to gather with us. A couple weeks ago, I got to hang out a little bit with uh, Daryl Strawberry, our guest speaker. We're backstage uh, in the hallway uh, before the service. And I asked him, I said, you know, do you want to go in for the worship time or would you rather just wait in the green room? And without hesitation, he said, I want to go in the service for the worship. And I stood next to him right over here. And I mean, he engaged. He sang every song. One of the services even took out his cell phone and he recorded all the, the whole worship Set. He just went on and on. He told me how much he enjoyed the music. How about you? When we sing songs like Reckless Love, Great Are You, Lord, King of My Heart, do you engage? Does your heart overflow with gratitude and thanksgiving and praise for God? When we share communion together, is that a deeply meaningful experience for you? When we uh, participate in the offering, do you give cheerfully, as Scripture tells us? And then do you celebrate God privately all week long? Do you take some time during the week for Scripture reading and reflection and prayer and just expressing gratitude to God? If you make celebrating God publicly and privately a high priority, give yourself a four or a five. If you can't relate to what I'm saying, give yourself a one or a two. The second C is connect. People with dynamic faith, electric faith, saving faith, they naturally move toward relationships with other Jesus followers. Now, maybe there was a time when you didn't really want to connect with other Christians, but then you discovered God's amazing love, and you realized that you have so much in common with other followers of Jesus, and pretty soon you find yourself joining one of our life groups, maybe one of the summer groups that Don described a little bit earlier, and you find yourself praying and encouraging and helping one another. If you, have a, if you have strong connections to other Jesus followers, give yourself a four or a five, middle of the road, three, and if you have little or no interest, a one or a two. The third C is contribute. Instead of just doing your own thing in life and pursuing what you want, you begin to ask questions like, what would, what would serve and bless other people? in this situation? What would help this church accomplish the mission of Jesus in this community and throughout the world? And you start leveraging your time and your skills and your talents and your money to advance the mission of Jesus. If you give generously, if you generously contribute your time and your talents and your uh, treasures to the mission of Jesus, Give yourself a four or a five if that's true. If, you, if it's occasionally true, a three. If it's rarely true, then probably a one or a two. One more area. It's listed on your outline. When you do the three C's, God begins to change your life and your character. And James would say if you claim to follow Jesus, then people at work, in your neighborhood, at school, not overnight, but over time, they're going to begin to notice uh, the old Bob and the new Bob, the former Betty and the new Betty, because 
they see changes in your integrity, in your love for others, changes in your patience, in your kindness, and self-control. And when you do have lapses, and you will have lapses as a Jesus follower, it bothers you. And you confess it to God and you get back on track with your new life as soon as you can. If this character change is highly true of you, give yourself a four or a five. If it's a little bit true, three. And if it's not true at all, a one or a two. All right, add up your scores. And uh, remember, you know, this is just a ballpark idea. This is not scientific. This just gives you an idea of, of, of where you're at. And if you scored four to eight, we would say that you're in the red zone. Good news here and bad news. The good news is that you're honest and you know where you're at. It's hard to grow unless you know where you're starting from. And uh, pretty much all of us at some point were in the red zone. Another piece of good news, you're in the right church because we love to help people in the red zone develop their faith. The difficult news, the bad news is that James would say there's not enough evidence to confirm your faith. And so maybe we need to take step one or maybe we need to go back and make sure that we've taken step number one and receive Jesus into our uh, life. And the good news is, but the good news is you can do something about this. You can uh, open yourself up and experience Jesus in a greater way and begin to develop uh, your faith. We'd love to talk with you about that. If you scored between 9 and 14, you're in the yellow zone. And this shows some progress. This shows some growth, which is good. But James would say that as you become more of a doer and not just a hearer of the word, that you're going to see more evidence of new life and growth and real faith. And then if your score is 15 to 20, you're in the green zone. And you should feel encouraged and confident that your faith is real and genuine. And if you're in the green zone, make it your goal to help other people to develop their faith. Now, before I wrap up, maybe some of you are wondering, what would be some opportunities around here to uh, help me develop my faith and put my faith into action? Well, we've already mentioned several opportunities. Don mentioned several opportunities earlier in the service. But here's a couple opportunities that I want to highlight, a couple more. I want you to take this out. I think you were handed this electric challenge, a uh, little flyer when you walked in. Go ahead and uh, take that out. We've got two challenges for everybody here. And um, I'm, I'm really praying that everybody will do one of these challenges. If you can, do, do both of them. I really think it's going to uh, grow you and just electrify uh, your life. Uh, let's talk about the, the one on the bottom. It says, take five with kid life. And uh, this is an opportunity for you to volunteer just, just five times. We're making this as, as easy as we can uh, for you as convenient as we can. And you pick the dates that fit your calendar this summer. Five times you volunteer in Kid Life uh, Ministry. And you know what? I'm telling you that uh, you're, not, uh, you know, you're, you're not just going to minister to kids and serve kids and, and honor God. You are gonna, you're going to develop uh, and grow uh, your faith. So check that box. Take five with uh, Kid Life. And then the second challenge is the uh, super cereal stack challenge. And we would love for everybody uh, the next, next two weekends to bring boxes of cold cereal or hot cereal. And we're going to make some really cool pyramids in the uh, lobby. But even cooler, 
we are going to fight hunger in Waukesha and Pewaukee by resourcing the local food pantries. So two challenges, and uh, really, do one of these. If you can, do both. And In fact, let's have a little bit of fun with it. And uh, uh, you, you fill out the bottom tear-off here if you are doing the Take 5 uh, challenge. And so let's have a little fun. Go ahead and take that out. Let's tear this off together. Okay, this makes a really cool sound. And so pull it out. And uh, on, the, right, on the count of three, we're all going to do this together. And just tear that thing. Ready? One, two, three. I love that sound. <laughs> that is, that is uh, so great. And now just fill that out. And there's a, there's a volunteer at the exit uh, with a bucket. And you can just drop that in on your way out. Thanks, everybody. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for your word so that we know what you want us to do. So that we're not guessing about that, God. You're just so clear with us in your communication. And we want to thank you for that. And God, there might be an area of our life where we know what you want us to do. But for whatever reason, we haven't done it. God, that is so hard. I, I know I have areas I struggle with. But God, I pray right now for supernatural power from your spirit that would allow us to do what you have asked us to do. That we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but that we would have the mindset of, God, what do you want us to do? What are you trying to teach us? God, would you speak to us? And God, if there's a person in our life who needs something, maybe they need something physically or maybe they need something spiritually or emotionally, maybe they need some encouragement, God, would you use us this, past, this, this week to, to not walk past, to not just decide I'm, gonna make, I'm not going to make the phone call, but God, that we would reach out and we would meet that need and we would be a doer of that uh, word. And God, thank you for these opportunities that you're putting in front of us, the cereal box and the Take 5 challenge. And God, would you lead us if that's a step that you would have for us to take today. God, I thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.